Well, a fine good morning to y'all. And uh, what a unique Sunday we have. Let me just do some detail work. Um, I so badly want to do this. Um, okay. Can y'all please just stand? Let's all just stand for a minute. Okay. Those of you in the back row, you're not going to be able to do this because you chose the back row. So um, I would like you all to stand behind your chairs and hold the back of your chair. And let's do a quick knee bend. <laughs> and then, uh, Joe, what was uh, guitar player? Play the guitar. Play the guitar. Okay. Doing a little Tai Chi, doing a little stretching. Let's stand next to the, uh, next to the chair on your, right, on your left side. On your left side, Damon's leading here. Now we're standing, and let's go to assumed believer prayer style. Oh, this is fantastic. I've always wanted to do this. Thank you, Corona. Okay, have a seat. So, obviously making light a little bit of our new dynamic. Uh, let me share with you. Uh, why this is important. Um, we have a unique situation that we are able to assemble. There are churches all over the world, um, but mostly when we're talking about the mandates from our nation um, and our state and our county. In order for us to be able to assemble, we had to keep it under 100. We also have to keep a six-foot distance. Uh, we also need to take those individuals that are high risk, which um, seniors, anybody with immune issues, um, preconditions, and they shouldn't be in this room. We currently have everybody wave uh, to our class over in the ABF. Hi, guys. Um, and now let's wave to all the people that are at home in their pajamas. Hi, guys. Hope your Sanka is really good. Um, because we've all sacrificed coffee and donuts this morning. We're the real Christians in the room. So, uh, so we would just ask to be mindful. We are not going to have a meet and greet. We are not using the elements this morning for communion. But this affords us some unique things of worship. And uh, for the children that are in the room, we're going to have something specific for you guys uh, during the service. And we've got some things for you guys to be coloring and doing and this and that. I actually really relish this. I think it's fantastic. Because one of the things I bristle against is how we have commercialized church in America. And, and this strips away some of that, and that's going to be a little bit of what we're going to talk about this morning, is getting back to, because our lives are having things stripped away from us now, right? So the more you pull back those things that demand our time, demand our resources, demand our focuses, can you imagine if the internet actually shut down and you couldn't get on your phones anymore? How much free time would we actually have? Right? One great thing about whatever's happening across this nation is that we still have our Bibles. Amen? Amen. And we are still the church. And Jesus Christ is still Lord. Amen? So this morning, I had not planned on preaching. Uh, I went on a train up to Portland this week, and if some of you saw the video on the way back, that train was coming from Zombieland. 
aforementioned as Seattle, one of the no-go zones in our country. So I took the bullet, not the bullet train, I took the bullet and I upgraded to a sleeper car. Just for you, just so you know that I, I quarantined myself deep within the, the uh, bowels of that train so that I, I would be uh, um, free from contamination. But uh, it was during those times this week I realized, boy, having someone come speak about church growth, <laughs> probably not the best strategy this week. And so um, I really spent time praying, Lord, what is it you want our people to look at? What word of encouragement do we need today out of the word? So I have something, and I'm hoping, I'm truly hoping it is pertinent. I think it is. But before we get there, I want to take a moment. And for those that are watching right now, we're going to do something kind of unique and interesting. You can text me, whether you're in the room next door or whether you're at home, you can text me 925-708-AWESOMEPASTOR. <laughs> no, that's too many numbers. That doesn't work. I'm waiting for you to get a pencil. I'm stalling. 925 708 6730 and you can text in with your questions as well and depending on how this goes maybe we don't do my sermon maybe i just give you my notes later this week uh, but what i would like to do is just take a moment with you and what are your questions about how we as the church are going to face all of this do you have questions Yes, Damon. Our missionaries around the world, we have reports back that they're doing okay. I've had no reports yet. So, so no news I would say is good news. Um, we've got individuals in the Middle East, lots in the Middle East. We've got individuals in Western Europe. We've got individuals in Africa. Um, and we have individuals in... Um, the subcontinent area of Asia. Uh, but I have not heard anything either from Reach Global or from those individuals themselves as of yet. But great question. Yes. Right. They didn't say anything. It was just their prayer request for their mission to in Cameroon. But nothing specific yet to these conditions or issues. Yes, Brad. Can you just repeat the question? Because we can't hear it. Yes, thank you. Sorry. I meant to do that. It's that guy. He's so demanding. I only said that because he can't hear me. Now in about 10 seconds he will. Okay, uh, the question was, have we heard anything from our missionaries? Um, and how our missionaries are doing worldwide? So nothing as of yet. Other questions? Yes, Ron. I think with, you know, with the uh, amount of fear and everything that's going on in our media and, and uh, so many people, especially if you don't know God, you're, you, know, you have a lot of questions. So how, how do you think this would be a better opportunity for us to share the gospel dealing with that? So the question is, with the fear that's out in society today and all that's happening, what is the best way for us to share the gospel and be light in this very fearful time. Is that pretty much a summation of... 
So I'm actually going to answer that with my notes here. But Becky, let's go ahead and throw that verse up. And this is where I would direct you this week scripturally. And uh, it's 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Can anybody give me reference about how this really worked out in Scripture? How was this demonstrated by the church in Scripture? Is this just a pithy statement, or does this work? Can you think of anybody? People are so scared you're going to get the wrong answer. Yes, Ron. I think of Old Testament, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Just being the cupbearer for the king, he had to trust the Lord. Right? Right. But leading the people, absolutely. Right. So Nehemiah would be a great example. Lyndon? In terms of the future from that scripture, the Romans feeding Christians, the lions, all the persecution that happened in Christianity today, that that Basically, Christianity overcame the Romans through the power of love. Yes. Yeah. So Lyndon's response was talking about the early church and how the persecution was immense for them. It took their lives. And, and yet the church thrived. And it was because of their sense of faith, it was their sense of peace in the midst of a life-taking persecution that people noticed the strength of who they are, right? That they had that spirit of love, self-control, and power even in the midst of fearful times. I got time for one more question. Eris. So, Eris talked about Joseph as an example, right? That Joseph, at multiple times in his life, right? We all, we all hold out for that big one, right? I think that's the way I operate. Okay, there's going to be this big test. And if I just operate without fear, according to this, this principle of Scripture about how the Lord gives us the strength in the moment, gives us the self-control, gives us the power, right? That, that I'll make it through that one event. Joseph didn't have one event. It was one event after another, after another, after another, after another. And so, uh, Ares talks, talks about Joseph. What was it that Joseph said at the very end of all of these sequences of persecutions and disasters in his life? What was the thing he was most famous for saying? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That is one of the ways we can have self-control, friends is trusting the Lord. It doesn't mean things... Does that mean that everything worked out great and, and Joseph didn't suffer? No, but in the end, he saw what God's plan was eventually. And, and because of self-control, because of love, because of power, a whole nation was saved because of God's sovereign work. 
You know, the beauty of where we're going and what we're looking at today is that we're in a unique circumstance. Maybe this, we have heard from many, many individuals over time, how would the church be if it wasn't so comfortable? Right? Would we get back to really being the church? Brothers and sisters, we have every opportunity now. The more we strip away the things that we have filled our lives with, that's hard. But when somebody else or something else strips that away and forces us into a different environment, a different paradigm shift, a different way of thinking, this is a unique opportunity for us to truly draw upon the Lord. So, let me have you turn to James 4.13. Today, my title is not all that encouraging. <laughs> um, but it's meant to be. And the title today is, What is Your Life? These moments, by the way, I'm holding my phone because I have to take a video of this. Not just because I think it's amazing and you guys look good. This is somewhat, somewhat for our protection so that we show that we acquiesced to the state's request. So everybody wave at the governor. Hello, governor. Coming to you live from Grace Baptist Church. No, I'm just kidding. Concord Bible. All right. All right, enough of that nonsense. So James gives us some instruction. That This is what struck me when I was praying through all of this on the train. This was the first verse that came to me. And let's look at it. 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You know, so much of the time we look at that and, 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 and we compartmentalize it. But we still plan with our 401ks. We still chart our four-month calendar out. We still plan our vacation this summer. We still planned our cruise. We still planned our gatherings. Right? I think this is a moment that really makes us absorb what the Lord is saying through James. It's not that planning is a negative thing. God had a plan. The Father had a plan for the Son, right? And the Son often, Jesus often said, I am about My Father's business. And everything He did was in relation to going to the cross and His resurrection. So there's nothing wrong with having a plan. What James is saying, sometimes we get so enamored with what's happening tomorrow, we forget about today. Brothers and sisters, we are forced into thinking about today now, aren't we? And when James says this, he challenges you and I to think about what is your life. I think that's a great place to start. So in, in answer to Ron's query, how do we speak to the fear? I would just encourage 
the conversation to start with that question right there this week. Well, what's your life? What are the changes you're having to do in your life? How bad really is your life? Brothers and sisters, if you've been paying attention to what's been happening in Nigeria with the Christian community, tens of thousands have been killed just for the cause of Christ. No pandemic. Just brutal, brutal sacrifice. The church is not facing that. Even through our difficulties of no toilet paper, how horrible. We're still able to be here this morning. We're still able to communicate this morning. What is your life? Let me finish this passage and then we're going to enter into an interesting idea a parallelism from Scripture to look at this whole idea of a pandemic and where is God in all this and how does that fit with faith and fear. It says this, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it. For him, it is a sin. Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So that brings us into an interesting question that I was faced, and that kind of forms where we're going to go here in the next few minutes. Is COVID-19 punishment from God? Some people believe it is. Some people get worried about talking in those estimations. Do we see from Scripture that there were moments where the Lord caused a, a, a worldwide adjustment because of unrighteousness? Of course there is. And this is why you have people respond this way. The question though is, as we send you out this week, what are you, how are we going to equip you and you, how are we going to equip you to have this conversation in a right and just manner? So we're going to look at this real quickly in the idea of faith versus fear or fear versus faith. So Leviticus 13 and 14. You can turn there, but I would just kind of make these mark marks slightly in your Bible. I was thinking through how do we look at sections from our history, from the Scripture, about when something similar like this happened and how do we start to see God in all of this? I thought of leprosy. Do you know what leprosy is? Leprosy was a disease. It was just simply a disease. Now, in Leviticus 13 and 14, you have these detailed descriptions. Is anybody there in your Scripture? In 13.1? Turn there. You know where Leviticus is? It's in the part of your Bible that still has the gold leaf. Right? Exodus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Numbers... Leviticus 13. So we want to know 
the question that we're looking at, did God cause this? Did God cause this as punishment? Let me ask you a question. Name what city this is. When I... No, no, Concord, yes, right. I'm not done. When... You're very attentive. I think that's fantastic. When I say sin city, what city is that? So you all know that. I'm not making it up, right? Have you wondered in your lifetime what it would take to shut down Las Vegas? Now, I'm sure this wasn't in your mindset at any point this week. Maybe Chris's. He's got a house there. But have you ever thought about what it would take Right? Because we're talking about all these sports franchises, the NBA, MLB, losing billions of dollars. The NFL draft. There went your fantasy draft, Chris. So, in thinking about the economic factions or, or, or ramifications of this, just think about Las Vegas itself. I never thought I'd see the day where Las Vegas would be shut down. Now, if you're tuning in from Las Vegas, contextualize what I'm saying. Don't run into the streets and say, somebody said the city is shut down. Um, you all know what I mean, right? Can't gather in those big casinos. Now, maybe they're just ignoring those things and they're still operating. I don't know for sure. But I never thought I'd see this day. And so here you have a situation where it's game-changing. It's absolutely game-changing. So there would be individuals that would come along and try to spiritualize this to a sense. I want you to see that we have direct word from the Lord here. This is about leprosy and what happens when someone has leprosy. Leprosy was a disease, and it's a disease that affects the nerves. And what would happen is it would show itself in certain ways. Now maybe we take the idea of leprosy and we say, okay, did God use leprosy to strike down people? Or was leprosy just a disease? Kind of a fair comparison here, right? And so what's fascinating is God gives very specific instructions to the nation of Israel in the law about how to deal with leprosy. This is fascinating. Does the Lord have anything to say about what's going on in our country? Well, He did about leprosy. And I'm just going to read the first verse. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, now I'm going to encourage you to read on your own time the rest of 13 and 14. But there was a process that went from coming forth and looking at, the Lord even went so far to give specific colorations of skin. How deep was that coloration? And then you would declare the person either clean or unclean. The Lord went into specifics, believe it or not, of quarantining people. And until after seven days, they would come back to the priest and the priest would examine the individual to see if they were clean or unclean. It is a fascinating read in light of what we're going through right now. Then in 14, you have the process of how do you cleanse the person? How do you heal the person? They go through the whole thing and the person would have to quarantine again. And then there would be a treatment that God was very, very specific about. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Let me give you some, some thoughts on that compared to why are churches all over having to stop meeting? Why are we having to keep our distance from one another? You know, there's some semblance of reasoning even from the Bible here. 
that God is a God of instruction when it comes to health. Isn't that fascinating? When it comes to disease that spreads very, very easily, which leprosy did, God Himself said, quarantine that person, interestingly enough, for seven days. Then re-examine. And then in 14, we see this whole process of what they were supposed to do. And then they would go again to the priest, and the priest would do an examination. And then at the end of that process, what would happen is that if the person was declared clean, the priest would make sacrifice because the person would bring sacrifice, giving glory to God. This is one of the areas, based off of what Ron said, that the church can rise up and talk about the glory of God. Whether we contract or whether we just go through this process, if we fail to find how God has created opportunity, healing, challenge, difficulty, we have this huge opportunity to give glory to God. Amen? And what's fascinating is even with the situation of leprosy, God gave very specific process. The Lord is the great physician. So we're going to look at this idea of leprosy again in just a minute. There were specific processes and specific people you went to if you suspected leprosy. Does that sound like medical treatment? Right? We've heard the word get tested more often in the past week than probably in our lifetime. The Lord gave specific instructions on how to determine if clean or unclean. The Lord provided a very specific process. The Lord has order and pathology and process for those who are sick with disease and the effort to heal. God makes a way. The question is, do we have the faith in the midst of the fear? So I'm going to take you to a, a relative other story in 2 Kings chapter 5. And it's the story of Naaman. And Naaman was a general for the Syrian army. And actually, the Scripture tells us that God used Naaman to go into Israel and perform raids against Israel because Israel's rebellious heart. In 2 Kings 5, you see actually one of the first accounts of human trafficking. It is amazing that this has been with us for millennia. Because what happens, which was the tradition at that time, is that if, if you did a raid and you conquered a village or an area which would have been in northern Israel, you had the prerogative of taking people with you. And they would become your servants. And that's exactly what we see happen in this story. Is that Naaman takes a young girl from that village and brings, it, brings her back to serve him in his household. Naaman contracts leprosy. This is a general. This is a proud general. A servant of the king. And the way the story plays out is that he hits the fear button. He hits the panic button. His life is over. Because those outside of Israel to whatever level we have information, didn't have a cure for this. Can you imagine the fear? We're seeing fear all around us, aren't we? Can you imagine the fear of this great man? And here's the interesting thing about disease, is it strikes without mercy everybody equally. So here's this great general, and he is scared to death. And what happens? The question we had earlier was, how do we face fear with power, self-control, and love? 
How many of you, if you had been taken from your family, would offer the advice that this young girl does to her captor? What a beautiful story of redemption. She knew about Elisha. She knew this prophet of God in Israel that could heal leprosy. The implication is obviously he had done it before. Now she could have held that information. Think through this, brothers and sisters, because this is a pivotal answer for us in the midst of how do we encourage, love, face with faith the fear that is all around us. You see, this young servant girl chose to share with her captor there is a prophet in Israel that can fix you. That can heal you. And so Naaman goes to his king and the king says, I will send letters to the king of Israel. And and you go with these letters. And actually, they sent the letters ahead. And so as Naaman shows up, he interviews with the king. Well, it says that the king panicked with great fear. Here we go again, folks. What is this? This is politics. I'm sure you've all been watching the news, right? And so politics is not devoid of being involved in any opportunity to cast fear for your own advantage. And here we are again. And believe it or not, we can pull this right out of Scripture in 2 Kings chapter 5. The king of Israel rips his clothes because he says, what am I supposed to do? I don't know how to fix this guy. And the king of Syria is just manipulating the situation so he can go to war with me. He's sending me this peace offering. He's saying, fix this guy, and I have no way to do it. So now he's going to enter into war. Fear, right? Fear, fear, fear. And so Elisha hears about the problem and he sends word to the king and and says to the king, stop panicking. You see, the response to fear is faith amen and he says just send him to me just send him to me and so Naaman gets sent to Elisha and he goes to Elisha and Elisha just he doesn't come out he just sends information hey there's this dirty river down the street and I want you to go dip by the way how many days was an individual to be quarantined seven days now, does Elisha say, come here, I'm going to put oil on your earlobe, oil on your knee, oil on your, on your toe, because that's part of the process. Does he do any of that? He doesn't do that. He just simply says, I want you to go down to that river and I want you to dip yourself all the way, fully committed, how many times? Seven times. Do not confuse who is about to heal you. This is the good stuff, not the generic. Right? So Naaman, of course, was like, yes, that is awesome. <laughs> no! He's still racked with fear. And he, and he just bloviates. He's like, are you kidding me? Why didn't he come out and do all this ceremony and, and like, you know, weren't, weren't, at least give me one of these, right? But he says, and then he just sends me a message, just go dip in a river? Man, Syria, we've got two rivers that are so much better than this river. Why don't I just do it there? He just keeps going on and on. What is that a sign of, brothers and sisters? Fear. Fear. Guess what? God uses the unsuspecting again through faith 
to counter this great general's fear. And even his servants recognize and say, this is a great man. His message is so simple. You've come this far. Why don't you just do it? And you know, some of you know the rest of the story, right? This great general goes and he dips seven times and after the seventh time he comes up and he is what? Clean. He's clean. Now let me ask you, did Naaman was God's answer to deal with Israel. Did Naaman contract leprosy? Did we see anything in this story that Naaman contracted leprosy as a vengeful or punishing act of God for his sinful behavior? It's not there. He just contracted leprosy. Fast forward in the story, he offers all of this, these riches to Elisha, and Elisha says, no, the glory goes to God, not to me. So he sends him back, and here's the response, brothers and sisters. Faith response in the face of fear. Naaman makes a covenant. He says, when I'm standing in this household of these idols and these gods, I will worship the true God, the God of Israel. Can we please remember that as we face all of these challenges, there is always opportunity in the midst of fear to give glory to God. And if the church remains silent, we will miss out on His hand of grace. I truly believe that. So Naaman makes his covenant and he goes on, well, the servant of Elisha has some issues spiritually. And he sees an opportunity to get some gain. And so he sneaks out the back door thinking Elisha has no idea. And he chases after Naaman and he says, oh, oh wait, a, wait, wait a minute, Elisha changed his mind. We'll take like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the other and then I'll take it back to Elisha and it'll all be good. And so Naaman, not knowing the difference, goes ahead and gives him that. And, and here the servant of Elisha walks through the door and Elisha's, I just picture him tapping his foot. Maybe he's doing the dishes or something. I don't know. Oh, uh, you know, where you been? Oh, nowhere. So Elisha says, because of your evilness, you now will be struck with leprosy. And there was no offer of healing. Now let me ask you a question. This is another account of leprosy. We've already determined that Naaman just received it because it was a disease, right? But now did God use that very disease to make a point about do not try to distort the truth and value of who God is? Yes. So we get a little bit more information about how God either chooses different avenues, different ways to say this is my standard, this is who I am. Don't encroach on who God is. But also, I am a loving and giving God and merciful God and I will heal you. Does that help us start to answer this question Ron brought up? For God has not given us a spirit of what? But of power, self-control, and what? Love. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't take us to one more section on leprosy. Isn't this disgusting? Luke 17, 11-19. You know what's interesting is Jesus Himself refers back to the story of Naaman in Luke 4.27 when He's talking to the Pharisees. And He says, Something very interesting. He says there were many who had leprosy, but one was healed. One was healed. 
So let's go to the time where Jesus was just walking through town, so to speak. He was getting ready to enter the city. Luke 17, 11-19. And ten lepers have been quarantined outside the city. They were not allowed to be with the rest of the city. Does this sound a little familiar? A little reminiscent? Right? we got some people in a cruise ship. Stuck on a cruise ship. You're not allowed to come into this city. The nation's banned on people coming in from other nations. You can't come into this nation. Here we have the same thing happening here with these individuals that have leprosy. You have to be X amount of kilometers, miles, stadia, whatever the measurement was from the city. And everybody knew. And if you got too close, unknowingly, what was it that the leprous individuals had to yell out? Unclean. As a warning, do not come close. Now think about how many of us have thought, don't raise your hand, but how many of us have actually thought through the challenges if you get quarantined? How lonely that will be. That you will not be able to for 14 days be around certain people. That's a way that we can pray for individuals that we know that will have this. There's ways that we can reach out to encourage them. At that time, what happened was you had to wave at your family or leave things at a distance to care for them. But you couldn't even get close enough. We're talking about six feet today. This is so weird, right? This is so bizarre for us to meet like this. Pat came in and she automatically put the two chairs together because she loves her husband so much that she can't be you know, three feet away from him, which is just, you guys are leading our marriage conference. Um, and so it's a situation where I said, no, the state will rain down on us, right? And, and the spies in the land will say, so over in the fireside room now, that's another thing. So actually you guys can, if you're related to one another and you're in the same house, yes, you can snuggle up. Not too close. This is church. I, I don't know what just happened. I'm feeling a little faint. I need to get tested. Okay. Luke 17, 11 through 19. I'm actually going to read this one. Turn there with me, if, if you will, as we finish up today. Luke 17, 11 through 19. So Jesus is passing by. There have been great gospel songs written about this part of Scripture. And it says this, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as He entered a village, He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When He saw them, He said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now this is Leviticus 13 and 14. This was the process. This was getting tested. Right? So He says, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were what? They were cleansed. Now, there's a little bit of an erroneous teaching here that you would go show yourself to the priest so that you could be declared clean. And so sometimes preachers like myself will say that they had to take a step of faith rather than Jesus healing them instantly. I understand where we get that because when Jesus would heal the blind man, when Jesus would heal uh, the paralytic, there would be an instant healing right away. But Jesus said, you're going to have to respond in faith. Just go. I'm not doing anything here. 
We have no example of him putting mud together. We have no example of him saying a prayer over them. He just says, go to the priests. But the implication is it's already done. Now what we learn from Leviticus 13 is that going to the priest was also an assessment. So they may not have taken it as instantaneously we are healed, but I would think that if they've already been declared unclean, we skip 13 and we're going to 14. The process of the declaration that you are clean. Yet they're looking at themselves and they're saying, nothing's happened. So Jesus expects what? A response of faith to conquer over the fear. How many of us will face individuals that are going to be crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me? We have no idea how far-reaching this is going to be. But maybe we should put this passage in our back pocket to help us be able to answer with faith the process of fear. So lepers have been quarantined. There's no process in effect for cleansing. This is a death sentence for them. At that time, there was no process because, well, I don't have time to get into it, but the process had kind of been short-circuited. And so that's why they were given a death sentence. Just go out. You're going to die out there. So think about what they're actually saying when they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then He requires them to act in faith. What a beautiful picture. And so the way the story happens is that on their way, they are healed. We know that because... And let me read it to you in its entirety. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Brothers and sisters, this is the part that we can do as an example. Every day that you know that God has provided for you and given to you, I want you to remember these words. Praising God with a loud voice. If the church sits back in silence, we have missed the opportunity to shine. Amen? So let's praise God with a loud voice. Now what's fascinating is one out of the ten did this. The others saw themselves as getting their life back. And this is the, the last thing I want to speak to. Brothers and sisters, this isn't just about us getting our life back. This is about course correcting ourselves spiritually when given the opportunity. The one leper saw that stopped, didn't go to the priest who would have declared him clean. Now he gets to go back to his family. He gets to go back to his, his iPhone. He gets to go back to his job. He gets to go back to eating shawarma in the local pub. He gets to have it all now. Gets all of that distraction back. What a failure for us if after all of this is passed in a few months, we just go right back to our busied lives. And see, nine of those individuals, that's what they saw. That's what they wanted. That was their reaction. But one got it right. And he realized who had healed him. And he realized the deeper, the deeper action and responded with a deeper and proper reaction. And he returns to Christ. Now, I want you to see Jesus' focus here in close. It says, And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Can I just encourage you with your families this week? Every day that you have just incredible value 
as to what you have been given and what you do not have, fall on your face and give thanks to God. There's a tremendous opportunity for us to teach our children here by our example. We're going to have an opportunity for that in a moment. Giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Hmm. Fascinating. There's a bifurcation as to who this individual is versus the others in the group. The others in the group, by implication of this statement, should have known better. They should have known better. And yet the one who didn't follow the law, that didn't follow the God of, of Israel, was the one who saw Jesus for who He really is and had the proper response. And so Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And He said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. What is your life? It's what Jesus gives you. Amen? Your life is what Jesus gives you. In the midst of contemplating that and being forced to contemplate that as a nation, as a world, can we just fall on our face on occasion and give thanks to God? Let's not throw away this opportunity where our lives are going to get stripped back a little bit. I would even say what a merciful God because we're not talking about the plagues. We're not talking about the angel of death passing over the, the ledger. We're talking about something that comes to a point of just north of a bad cold and just south of the flu by everything we've been told that will last somewhere around 7 to 14 days. Now, we may not know everything as of now, but when you think about what would it take to really get the whole world to pay attention... Can you see God's merciful hand in using something that only has that degree? And yet the world is in a panic and fear. Brothers and sisters, my message to you today from the Lord is meet fear with faith. What is your life? It is that which God has given to you. How do you choose to use it? I hope that is helpful. I hope it encourages you. I hope it equips you for this, this week.